Our scripture this morning will come from Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 6 while you're turning. Just like to say how proud we are of our graduates and uh, in each of the service we have had each of the services we've had graduates present and to be able to see those pictures. I mean, I, I've been here now for the last 10 years and and to go, wow, how much they have grown, how much they've changed, and what a privilege it is to be a part of their lives and, and to see them go off into young adulthood, to be the people that God has created them to be. So we're very proud of all of you, um, and thank you for being who you are. Also, while you're uh, turning in your scriptures to Acts chapter 1, I'll just share with you, you are going to hear over the next couple of weeks some more information about uh, a young child by the name of Finn. And you can go to Project Alive if you want to on the web and be able to see more about him. But he is a, a young child from our community here. Actually, his great-grandmother was one of the founding members of our church, and his mother grew up in our church and in our youth program as well. But Finn has Hunter syndrome. And it's, it's a rare disease that uh, only about 500 little male you know, boys, little boys across the United States... Uh, are dealing with at a time. And, and so the challenge is, is when only about 500 at a time are dealing with it, then it's harder to get the, the kind of support you need to for the research and for the medications. But there's now some uh, treatment opportunities that are there if enough funds are raised to begin this trial period, not only for Finn, but for others. And so you're going to be hearing information about in a couple of weeks, there'll be a car show uh, right across the road over in front of Poppy Seeds and uh, all the proceeds will be going to help with this cause. But again, it's um, a child that's connected with us, part of our community and uh, with family that's been a very real part of our church. And I, I can't just imagine, most children would not live to their teen years if they have this disease. And so uh, we are actually talking about trying to help save lives. And so you'll be hearing about ways that, that we can help as a church. We've already... Uh, offered some assistance through our pastor's discretionary fund. So if you're often wondering, when, I'm, when I give an offering, does it make a difference? It does. And we are seeking to help make a difference on behalf of Christ for this family as well. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, where Luke writes, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time? When you will restore the kingdom to Israel, he replied, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going they were gazing up toward heaven. And suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who's been taking up, taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege that you give to us to study it together. And as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Is this the time that you'll restore the kingdom to Israel? That was the question they asked. I mean, of all the questions they might could have asked, that was the question that they asked. I mean, these disciples had been with Jesus now for three years of ministry. For three years. They had walked with him for three years. They had heard him teach about the kingdom of God, this kingdom that, that, that is beyond just a geographical area, but this kingdom that is the kingdom of the world, this kingdom that God is, is changing and establishing across all lands for three years. They had watched the healing power, watched resurrection, and then they had witnessed Jesus himself dying on the cross. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And according to Acts chapter 1, the first few verses, for the last 40 days, for the last 40 days, Jesus had been teaching them again about this kingdom of God. Right before he ascends into heaven, he wants to make sure, do you get it? This is what the kingdom of God is like. And all of a sudden, someone goes, I got a question. What's your question? Is now the time you're going to set up the kingdom for Israel? Really? Really, that's your question. After all this time, after all you've heard, after all you've experienced, after all you've seen, that's the question. You can't really blame the disciples. I mean, they had their own agenda. Most of the people, that was the question they had been asking. Because when you read the Old Testament, you'll see that the prophecy of the Messiah, the, the people thought that, that all the prophecies meant we're going to reestablish Israel geographically, politically, powerfully. I mean, that's, that's what they had dreamed, that, that a new king like the king of David, one on David's throne, was going to establish this new kingdom. And, and for the last 600 years or so, Israel has been in captivity. They've been under the rule of, of other powers, other empires. And now, for the last 100 years or so, the Roman government has been occupying Israel. Sure, we want to be free. We want to be independent. We want to be our own nation. We, we want to be like it was back in the day of David when, when Israel was strong and powerful and, and the other nations around knew who we were. Is now the time you're going to set that up? And Jesus, he scratches his head and he goes, you know, it's really none of your business. <laughs> That's paraphrase. He said, it's not really for you to know the time. It's not really for you to know exactly when. That's not your job. That's not your task. That's not your calling. Your calling is to be my witnesses. And you're going to receive power, and you'll be my witnesses. That word witness is actually the Greek word martus. And if you look it up and, and study that word a little bit, it, it means to testify as in a courtroom. It, it's like when you're, you're put on the stand and you're called to, to share. This is what I saw. This is what I experienced. This is what happened. They're not really concerned about what you think, what you feel, but this is what I experienced. This is what I saw. This is the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. Also, when you look at that, that Greek word, martus, it actually is the same words that's used for martyr. I mean, someone who believes in their testimony to the point, someone who believes in their witness to the point that they'd be willing to lay their lives on the line for it. So Jesus is not saying, I want you to be my PR people. 
I want you to be my marketing people. He's going, I want you to be my witnesses, my martyrs. I want you to be the ones who believe so much in what I'm doing in the kingdom of God that you would actually be willing to lay your lives on the line for it. But the disciples were distracted. You know, we just can't wait because this is, this is the way we want the kingdom to work and they missed what God was really trying to do. So we were talking together just the other day with the staff on Tuesday. We, we took the program staff and we went for a day apart and we spent some time reflecting. We were looking at this scripture knowing that it, it was coming up for today. And, and we were sharing, you know, where do you see the, the church getting distracted today? That, that God has a calling for the people of God, a calling for the church, this peculiar group of people that God has set apart as the body of Christ. Where do we get distracted? And we were naming off some, some different ways that the church gets distracted from the mission. I, I remember in my last church, it was a great church at Williamson Chapel, and there's some folks that are here in this room that were part of that congregation, and, and the church was growing, and God was doing some great things, so we built a new sanctuary there. It's about a 1,200-seat sanctuary, and, and, and it was a, a beautiful place, and and it was designed, the whole chancel area was designed for both traditional worship and praise and worship. It was set up for, for both styles of worship. And, and, and God was blessing as we filled the church up. And, and then one of the early services, and we moved into the new building, right after the 11 o'clock service, the traditional service, I had a pe- couple people come up to me and they go, we've got an idea. All right, what's your idea? Well, you see, up in the chancel area, right in front of the choir loft, there was this rail. And, and it was a little higher than normal because it was designed to be a modesty rail as well as a rail that would hide some of the cords and some of the other things that you sometimes see in, in praise and worship type services. And, and so there was a rail there, but the rail was just high enough you could still see the two symbols of the drums barely above the rail. And so they said, if, if you're okay with it, we would like to go buy a black cloth and we'll hem it up real pretty and everything, get it designed to fit where we can cover up those drums during the 11 o'clock service so we don't have to see those. And I looked at him and I said, I think that's a great idea because I bet that keeps Jesus up at night. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how he can hardly tolerate worship going, but I see symbols. I see two symbols. So I said, I think it's a great idea. Why don't we, why don't we do that? We'll, we'll get the, go ahead and get that cloth, but I... If you don't mind, while you're doing that, I want you to get two other pieces of cloth as well. Two other black cloths, if you don't mind. And they said, okay, what size do you need? And I said, somewhere around like 25 feet by 50 feet, something like that. And they're going, what? And I said, yeah, and if you'll hem it up real pretty like you're going to do the other one, it needs to be like 50 feet by 25 feet, you know, so that we can have that. What, do you, what in the world do you need two pieces of cloth that big for? I'm not making this up. You can't make this stuff up. Why, why do you need two pieces of cloth that size? And I said, well, we got those pipes. There was a pipe organ, and you had pipes up there on both sides. And I said, I just got a feeling that if, if it bothers the traditional people to see those two symbols, I can't imagine how the praise and worship people can focus on worship with those pipes sticking up there. So we need to put some cloths up so we can cover those things up too. That way we can pretend like no one else worships here but us. We, they never bought the cloth for the drums. <laughs> because isn't it interesting sometimes what we get caught up on? 
the distractions that we find ourselves in, all the while there are people in our world and people in our community that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, but we're hung up because I saw two symbols over the rail. And I think Jesus looks at the church and goes, really, that should be none of your business. That's not, that's not the business of the church. You're called to be my witnesses. You see, what Luke says is actually consistent with Matthew. Matthew 28 tells us that, that right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he looked at the disciples, he looked at the church, and he said, now go therefore and make disciples. Go make disciples. That's your task. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. In other words, discipleship. And, and then remember this, I'm going to be with you always. But your task, the task of the church is you're to be my witnesses. And, and Luke says, and, and, and you won't be able to do that on your own. So Jesus said, I'm gonna, I'll send to you the Holy Spirit because it will take the Holy Spirit to empower you to pull this off. But your job is to witness Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, you're to be my witnesses. I mean, what is the testimony of the church? What is the, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth from the church? And that is that we believe that God did something unique in and through Jesus Christ. It's when we teach that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. That Jesus is our Savior and, and Jesus is our Lord. That's the message and mission of the church is we're to proclaim Christ. I will confess to you, I am not Universalist Unitarian. I'm Christian. That's who we're called to be. We're the church. We're the church, the body of Christ. And we believe that God has done something in Christ and offered salvation to the world and He wants us to share it. I had someone tell me they recently started coming to this church and, and they joined the church and become a part of the congregation and, and they were sharing one of the things that led us to this church was when we came here, we actually heard you mention Jesus. And I went, what? You actually talked about Jesus. Yeah, they said, well, we visit a lot of churches. They don't all talk about Jesus. Well, what are they talking We're not here to be some self-help group or to have a pep rally to make us feel better. We're Christians. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. The people of God. I was talking then to a colleague this week, and he was telling me, he goes, well... We were talking about this scripture and he said, you know, and he named off a colleague of ours who serves another large United Methodist church in the area. And he said, you know, he recently had a family left his church because they talked about Jesus too much. <laughs> wow. Where are we as a church? The body of Christ, the people of God. Jesus said, you're to be my witnesses. And here's the message. That God so loved this world, not just us, but the world. That He was willing to give His only begotten Son so that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. The message for you and the message for me is, is that we can be forgiven. That God doesn't want us to carry around guilt and shame from the past and, and try to go through life drudgingly, but rather, rather God loves us and offers us forgiveness and grace if we'll believe in Him and accept Him. And, and then God wants us to share that with the rest of the world. The truth of the matter is, the Scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to know Him. And our privilege is to help shape the lives of young people. I, I tell you, it just seems like yesterday, 
that my kids were holding up a little sign that said kindergarten. But now they graduated high school, they graduated college, and, and now they're young adults getting their lives going in their own way. And that just seems like that happened overnight. Our opportunity with people is it's about this long. I mean, the, people grow so fast. They, our opportunity to share Christ, it's a small window. So we have to take the message seriously. So Jesus said, you're to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem. Well, Jesus, Jerusalem's not the easiest place to be a pastor, I mean, these are the very people that just crucified you. I know. That's how bad they misunderstood what God was doing. So I need you to be my witnesses. And in Judea, well, that's regional. We can be regional. But also Samaria. Whoa, did you say Samaria? Yeah, Samaria. I mean, Samaria, that was that, was that area where the pagans were. I mean, that was the, the, the area where those who were most despised by the Jews lived. I mean, those were the people who, they don't worship like we worship. They were considered to be unclean. You, you don't want to be with them. They're unclean people. And, and actually, Jesus said, that's the very people I want you to be with. That's the very people. See, one of the critiques against the church sometimes is that that once we become Christian, we isolate ourselves with other Christians, which we should do. I mean, we're going to read in Acts in chapter 2 that they will devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. So yes, we're to come together as the body of Christ and nurture one another and grow in the faith. But then we're to take the gospel out to the unchurched world, to, to the world that where nobody else wants to go. That's our task. Is to remember that Jesus died for the people out there as much as he did for the people in here. And our task is to take the good news of Christ to all the world. To, yes, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Well, that just seems impossible. Yeah? Especially in that day, with the travel and the communication of that day. But yet, by the end of the book of Acts... We will have taken the gospel from Jerusalem through Judea, Samaria, around the Mediterranean, all the way into Rome by this point. To the ends of the earth. So what distracts us as the body of Christ, as the people of God? Sometimes I think it's our schedules. We're just so busy. It's hard to be witnesses for Christ. It's just trying to fit that in. It's hard enough to be able to get here to worship. Which is true. We're incredibly busy. But we then get distracted by the craziest things. You know, they moved our Sunday school class from this building to the other building. They don't move us back. I'm not sure I can come here anymore. Really? Really? And that's the same people who go to the gym and walk on a treadmill, but I won't walk to the other building. Seriously. We get so distracted that Jesus goes, really? I mean, the little things that bother us. I, I remember I was serving a church in King... It was, a, it was a good church. There were a lot of good people there, and we built a, a new building there. We built a fellowship hall, educational building. And, and when I say we built it, I, I really mean we built it because back in that day, the conference had on staff a contractor, a builder, that a, a small church could, could ask to come and be a part of helping you build a building, and they would come and, and help you coordinate things that help save some cost. And, and then you volunteered and you helped out. I mean, there were a lot of things that you subbed out, but there were a lot of things we could do, so we did the framing and 
and, and I've climbed through the trusses as the crane was helping us to set them. And, and then we put the sheeting up on the roof. And, and then we put the shingles down. And I helped put up the, the molding along the flooring and the crown molding around the top. And, and we did all that kind of stuff. And we finished the building. It was absolutely beautiful. It was, it was a pretty building. Nice brick building. You walked in. You had classrooms on each side. New bathrooms that didn't, have, didn't smell at all yet. Then there was a big kitchen area, and it was a big, beautiful kitchen with some nice cabinetry there. And then this wide open space, big open space of the fellowship hall. And, and, and so we, we get together with the church council, and we're meeting in there for one of the first times. And, and I kid you not, somebody goes, I got a question. What's your question? Are we going to have the youth meeting in this new building, or can't, can't they stay in the old fellowship hall? Because you know what they do to buildings sometimes. They'll mess them up. Oh, wow, yeah, that, I bet that keeps Jesus up at night going, they got a whole new building, and, and you know those youth are going to mess it up. And I shared with them, Nancy will tell you I've become more tactful. <laughs> but I said, we laid the carpet and we can replace it. We painted it and we can repaint it. We built it and we can rebuild it. But I don't think Jesus is concerned that the youth are going to mess up the building. I think Jesus is celebrating that there's youth in the building. I, I just think the church gets so hung up on the craziest stuff that we can't be the people that God has called us to be. So what is God calling this church to be and to do? I mean, we're sitting in an area that is exploding with growth. People all around us. You're sitting right here at a busy intersection. People can see a church built for God. And, and, and we get hung up on the craziest stuff. And Jesus goes, you know, that's really not your business. Your business is to be my witnesses. And I'll give you the power to pull off my business. So the question is, is will we be the witnesses and the church that God has called us to be. We're going to come to this table in just a few moments. And we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate that God so loved us that he gave his body and his blood that we could be forgiven and offer us everlasting life with him in the fullness of his kingdom. But we're not to keep it in here. Once we have received Christ into ourselves, we're to take it out to the world. Here in Jerusalem, through Judea, even to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the business of the church. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for your love and your grace. And God, we are so grateful for the privilege of being your church. For some reason, you looked at us and you said, you'll be my people. I'll be your God. And God, we're grateful for this covenant. And you've called us to be witnesses of what you're doing in our lives and in the world. To be witnesses of the fact that you loved us so much that you would give your only begotten Son 
that the man who died on the cross was the God who so loved to die for us. And God, you call us to share this good news with all the world. It's not something we keep inside the building of the sanctuary, but rather we take through the world on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God, we pray as we come to this table and once again, we receive you into our lives. We pray, dear God, that then you would help us take you out into the world and share with our family members. We have family members who don't know you. To share with our neighbors. We have neighbors who do not know you. To share with our co-workers. We have co-workers that do not know you. To share with all the world this good news this gospel, this, this great news of how you love the world enough to redeem it by offering everything you have. So God, we pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit and allow us to be your witnesses, not getting distracted on our own agendas and our own questions and our own thoughts of the way it should be or shouldn't be, but rather focused on your calling for us to be your church the body of Christ, your physical presence in our world. So as we receive the body and blood of Christ, we pray that you would bless these gifts and make them be for us, the body and blood of Christ, so that we can then be for the world, the body of Christ, having been redeemed by your blood. God, we give you thanks for the privilege of witnessing Christ with children, youth, graduates, young adults, older adults, here in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, across Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Pour out your Spirit. We ask in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, our Savior, our Lord. Amen. If those who are assisting will come forward at this time. In the United Methodist Church, we celebrate what is referred to as an open table. That means you do not have to be a member of this church or this congregation to come to the table of our Lord. All of us are invited to come. Jesus loves you as much as anyone else. Our children are also invited to come to the table because every time we baptize a child, we acknowledge that God's grace is offered to them as well. And they may not fully understand what's happening. None of us do. But it is a sign that God loves them as much as anyone else. We'll be sharing by the means of intention. We come with our hands cupped, prepared to receive this gift of grace. When the bread is placed in our hands, we then take the bread, we dip the tip of the bread in the cup, sharing together in the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you need the gluten-free offering, if you'll come to the station here at the altar table, we have the bread in the cup that we will not touch so that everyone will have the opportunity to receive the sacrament. The ushers will guide us to the various stations that we have throughout the sanctuary. Let us prepare to come to the table of our Lord to receive the gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then as the body of Christ, to share Christ as his witnesses in our world. This is the body of Christ. It is broken for you body of Christ, broken for you. This is the blood of Christ, 
which is shed for you.